spirit animals, ghosts of our pets, and dark animal entities. I'll be discussing all of this and more in this week's episode of Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks. The same still applies, award-winning author, blah, 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 blah. As my wife always says, I have a title for everything within my resume. But hey, if you've earned it, flaunt it. Why not? And if you can't laugh at yourself, then that gives everyone else permission to laugh at you. And that's not fun. Hope you're having a great week. It's been a snow-filled week for me on my end of the world uh, in south-central Ohio, the Midwest. Uh, Ohio, the heart of excitement, as I call it, which is the state of great anticipation. It's not. I'm lying. Just trying to make myself feel better. But hey, it's a great place to raise my kids. That's all that matters. I have, like I mentioned, talking about spirit animals, encounters with long-lost pets, uh, brings to mind a story my father shared with me. It was one of the first and only paranormal encounters he ever shared with me. He was very closed off about that sort of thing. My parents are super religious, but, you know, I'm a Christian as well, but I... um I, I don't, uh, I'm not fanatical about it, so story he shared with me in regards to his experience with a long-lost pet. Uh, he was a child. It was a snowy winter, much like what we're experiencing right now in Ohio. And, uh, f- of course, uh, the eastern seaboard, the northern tip of America, they've been hit hard with snow. My father had to put a pet down during the summer. Uh, it had gotten, uh, ended up getting bitten by a snake and uh, was getting uh, more and more sick. And this was the mid to late 1950s. So where he grew up was like Podunk Appalachia. And if there were vets, they were in the city, uh, a good 200 miles away, maybe. No way on earth uh, are you going to spend the kind of money needed to rescue a pet. If you live in the holler and the pet is bitten by a snake, especially a poisonous one. So they just basically had to watch it die. And then my dad's father uh, took it upon himself to take it out and put it out of its misery. So my dad was you know, pretty sad about losing his dog, so on and so forth. And he and his brothers were goofing off during this heavy snowstorm out in the woods. And my father, being much younger was disoriented because they went deep into the woods and didn't really know how to get back because nothing looked the same as it did when there wasn't snow. So they ended up getting sidetracked, and two of his older brothers ended up leaving him and his youngest older brother alone in the woods, and it was starting to get dark. And my dad's older brother was sure that he knew how to get back. The other ones just left them in the snow. They thought it was funny. So they start following dog tracks. And they follow these dog tracks back into familiar territory. The woods are starting to look, look a little more familiar to my dad and to his brother. And then they get to a stopping point where there's this open field. And they see a dog that looks really familiar. Looks like their dog, Buddy, that they ended up having to put down during the summer. And he kept barking at them, running around in circles, trying to get them to come to where he was. So they approached Buddy, and he ran further out, and they kept following him. And as he would slowly 
run in one direction. They were following him in that direction. And sure enough, he led them right back to their home. And they watched Buddy run towards the house and then run over to an old wood pile and get under the wood, the stacks of wood. And it occurred to my dad and his brother that that is the exact spot where Buddy was buried. And their father was stacking firewood on that spot uh, to use for uh, keeping the home warm. And that that was an awesome story my father shared with me. And it sort of fueled my excitement and, and interest in the paranormal. And it's a story I've always wanted to be able to share when the opportunity presented itself. And what better time than the topic of spirit animals, ghosts of our pets... And sometimes they act as guardian angels as well. They always seem to be the ones who notice paranormal activity or things in the corner of the room or dancing on the ceiling before we ever do. Uh, they're, they're tuned into the spirit world. There's no doubt about that. Uh, not too close from where, not too far from where I live, there's a place where there is said to be a ghost wolf that appears to people uh, when they're jogging or running or hiking in this area. And uh, it's called Buzzard's Roost. And there's said to be a ghost wolf up there that watches people, scares people off, or people will follow it. And uh, it just leads off to nowhere and disappears. And there's, there's tons of remarkable stories dealing with the spirits or the angels of animals, ghosts of animals. And there's also some, a darker side to it. Uh, there's been some... Dogs that, I guess not all dogs go to heaven. Uh, some dogs that were just downright evil and spiteful in life and would attack people or were just malicious animals, did not behave normal like, like a normal dog or a cat would behave. Uh, maybe hell awaits them and their evil form is left behind and continues to torture us to this day. But I'll be sharing stories pertaining to those things and more. On this episode of Paranormally Speaking, please hold for an important message from my sponsor. Available to order now, my first audiobook, Neil Parks Presents Truly Terrifying Tales, narrated by me. It's ready to order and download on bandcamp.com. My other books, of course, are always available to order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and lulu.com. You can also order t-shirts that I designed that I normally sell at conventions, festivals, lectures, and my book signings. I always have the 9-inch tall 3D printed Bigfoot silhouettes available, and last spring my first children's book was released. It was written by my good friend and fellow author R.L. Walker. I illustrated this book, and it was a major shift in gears for me, considering that my writing and art style has always been dark and scary. To order any of what I just mentioned, you can also go to my email, which is parksparanormal at gmail.com. That is parksparanormal at gmail.com. Standing by. Since ancient times, stories have abounded concerning the existence of ghost animals, from the Native American animal spirits to the menacing demon dogs of medieval England, to present-day encounters with animal apparitions. There can be little doubt that animals, like people, live after death and pass back and forth between this world and the next. In the realm of the paranormal experiences concerning deceased pets, 
who revisit the living are common events, like the ghosts of humans. Pet ghosts return for various reasons. Sometimes they appear to say goodbye. Sometimes they want to reassure their grieving owners that they are all right and that their spirits are always with them. And sometimes, as they often did in life, they are guarding their beloved humans, delivering a message of warning or a message of hope. My listeners share scary pet ghost stories. A few weeks ago, I mentioned that I was looking for listeners and people who read my work or uh, maybe have seen my YouTube channel to submit stories or encounters with ghostly pets, phantom animals, or dark animal spirits. One that was sent to me states that um, there was a cat that kept intensely watching the corners of the ceiling after his companion cat disappeared. Uh, Made this person think of something that their cat, Morris, did frequently. Uh, He would sit on their lap every evening, sort of facing them at times. He would stare intently over their shoulders, and his eyes widened as it became very still. Uh, They felt foolish, but every time, they'd look back and ask, What do you see, Morris? Needless to say, uh, what the heck are these cats looking at? Yikes! Uh, My dear little hazel cat used to do the same when she lived with me, so I'm figuring it is a common cat trait. We just don't know why they do it. Another listener says that my question about sensing or feeling the spirit of a departed pet uh, that they had experienced personally, but their husband had, they had not. Uh, They lost their beloved black cat several years ago, but still remember him fondly as their little Einstein cat because he was so intelligent. About a week after he died, the woman's husband called to her from the other room and when she got there, she had a strange, he had a strange look on his face, and he said that he had just felt something rubbing around his legs and ankles, just like their cat used to do. When he looked down, there was nothing there. It may just have been wishful thinking, but they like to think that it was a final farewell from their little buddy. Another story that was shared with me from a listener in Dublin, Ohio. I wanted to share my ghost story that I encountered when my dog passed away. One time when my husband was in the bathroom, he swore he heard Oscar bark his very deep, loud bark in the living room, only to find that it was empty. Another time, we both heard his nails clicking on the hardwood floors in the entryway, and of course there was nothing there. When Oscar was alive, he used to come in very early into the master bedroom and sigh very loudly to let me know he was up and hungry. When I heard it again, it really frightened me. So I shouted, Oscar, you're scaring mommy. Please wait for me in heaven. After that, we never heard from him again. From the Bay Area, this was sent to me from Alice. Suddenly, there was a loud pounding on my door of my apartment at 9.10 p.m. And I leaped up from three feet away and flung open the door, thinking it was my boyfriend in crisis. He lived about 45 minutes away. My cat, Mandy's hair, stood up all over. Never saw her do that before, and her pupils dilated. There was no one in sight. How did they disappear in two seconds? There was a cold chill, and the night was not that cold. Mandy backed into the corner, growling. Hair was still very erect. 
There was a sweet smell of flowers. Mandy crouched, growling for nearly five minutes. I felt the presence of my boyfriend's mother and sensed her questioning me as to whether I would be loyal and loving to her son. Getting the answer she wanted, I would eventually, everything including Mandy, went back to normal. The next morning, my boyfriend called me, deeply upset. His mother had died at 9.10 the night before. Well, there's, of course, uh, the Buxton Inn. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of that. And where's that exactly? Uh, that is in Granville. Okay, Granville. Uh, right. That's I think it's, what, like 40 minutes from here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 40 minutes east. Uh, that is a really interesting location. Uh, I was invited to, like, uh, my wife and I were invited. She's like the scully to my molder. Oh, okay, so you guys do this together. All right, yeah, so do. Randy and I know about that. We do. Uh, she kind of ropes me in and keeps me from chasing the moon and werewolves. <laughs> and we were invited to, like, this murder mystery type dinner get to know each all the x-files nice and we we were invited as like the guests of honor they wanted me to tell some stories and read some excerpts from my book sure and a lot of the people that were a part of it was like the movie dinner for schmucks it was it was pretty funny oh look at this place this is nice it was was quite yeah it is a very nice location and the bar downstairs is like a dungeon Mm. And I wonder if they used to keep people during the Renaissance era in that location. But since this land was not um, anything beyond uh, the New World before the Renaissance era, I doubt that that was ever a, a dungeon of torture. But it, it does look pretty creepy. And in fact, a lot of weird things happen in that bar. Glasses are known to fly across the room. A lot of girls, when they go to change uh, certain containers for the drinks and whatnot, or change the keg. Uh, they'll feel someone push or grab on them. Uh, I myself did not experience anything in the bar. I did get a sense of something moving around that wasn't physical. But what I experienced more was in the ballroom area where they have a lot of wedding receptions and uh, graduation dinners. Sure. There is said to be a ghost cat that runs around. Oh, ghost cat. Ghost cat. Do you have to do ghost litter? Ghost litter, yes. (laughs) Ghost poops. Yeah, ghost poops. So, uh, <laughs> what if it's like the worst part of a ghost cat? It still smelled like a cat, and you're like, I don't even get to see this son of a bitch. Like, what? <laughs> it's just, I smell it. It's just a cat. Yeah. So uh, you kind of want to set a can of nine lives out for it to see what happens. But we're sitting in, in one of the tables, and I notice uh, one of the table drapes that goes over the tabletop cloths. It's brushing almost like someone's rubbing their foot against it. And I pick it up to look under to see who's doing that because it's just my wife and I sitting here at this table. And I, I kid you not, I kit, kitten you not, this, this cat uh, was under the table and all the doors were closed. No one could get in or out at this point. And it's just us, just physical people. And this cat, this solid white cat, is under the table. It hisses at me just like that sound and then takes off. But it takes off to where? Because as soon as it disappears yeah. from our sight, it's just, it's, it's so gone. Weird. It was a cat. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. There was an investigation at a property that I took place in several years ago, um, assisting with another paranormal research group that was familiar with the area. And they wanted to get my take on the situation and my expert opinion. 
apparently this property was being haunted and um, the people that owned the property were being tortured spiritually by a half man, half dog head creature. It looked like an animal, but it had a human torso, uh, hind legs, but the front arms of this beast were the arms of like a giant dog and it would contort it would twist itself around it would climb up the wall and up and down the stairs backwards with its head twisted around to always stay focused on you and it was the head of a demented looking dog uh, it was definitely a non-human spirit that took the form of half man half animal and stories like this are common in Native American mythology, Native American religion, uh, stories of shape-shifting animal humanoid creatures, uh, usually attributed to demonic manifestation. And this was not a kind spirit. It was not a pure spirit. It was a dark, evil, tainted, angry spirit that took a mutated form. And that was something you could definitely attribute to an animal spirit and that was a first person account first uh, hand account of something i myself witnessed uh seeing this thing appear in shadows and in flashes upon entry it, it was unsettling it was probably one of the most spiritually confined situations i'd ever put myself in it was one that i dare not repeat uh, on a lighter note, an encounter that me and my entire family had with uh, spirit animal, the long-lost soul of a, of a pet. Not a long-lost soul. The soul was in dog heaven, but the pet was long-lost. Uh, we still thought of her often. She died several months before Christmas. But when we were looking back at family photos, and this was when you would use instant cameras to take photographs, you know, before digital photography and 6 to 12 megapixel and however many terabytes an image requires. Uh, things were very different 15, 16 years ago, almost 20 years ago, when our beloved pet lady passed away. And pictures that were taken on Christmas morning clearly show a, an orb of some sort in the form of a dog on the couch sitting next to my wife's at the time 90 year old grandmother and my mother-in-law was sitting on the floor holding a new gift that my nephew Stephen had received it was a snowsuit and as she was holding it up above him to show in the image that this is what he had received after he opened the gift there was a strange light apparition that appeared over both my nephew and mother-in-law that looked almost like the description of what a gown from an angel would look like. So not only did we capture the spirit of our long-lost pet and the dog's very soul, but also possibly an angel watching over. Maybe the angel's what brought Lady to us for that Christmas. Or what appeared above my mother-in-law could just have been an issue with development and too much light coming in. Anywho, that was a fun story I wanted to share with you. And now please hold for a word from our sponsor. 
ghosts, aliens, UFOs, Bigfoot, parallel universes, angels and demons, time travel, cryptozoology, and so much more within the realm of the unexplained, the strange, and the out of this world. I'm your host, Neil Parks, award-winning author, screenwriter, researcher, and paranormal professional. Join me every week as I tackle hot-button topics within the paranormal realm. I'll share personal accounts, my research, and secondhand evidence. I will read excerpts and stories from my books and discuss my upcoming projects in the literary world. Documentaries, both on TV and the big screen, plus my independent film projects. Paranormally Speaking is both thought-provoking and entertaining. New episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in to Paranormally Speaking and prepare to be enlightened. Class is in session. What the hell is going on out there? Avery said aloud as several teachers and students were slamming their doors, one by one, and shutting off the lights. This is standard drill protocol for an active shooter lockdown. They have practiced for an event like this over and over the last few years. Why would we have a drill during the week of state testing? Avery asked. Mr. Miller looked confused by what was going on around them. He hadn't received a memo about any kind of drill or lockdown. Students, stay seated. Don't move and please remain silent. I'm going to have a look at what is happening down the hall. Mr. Miller carefully opened the door. He was holding his breath as he stretched his upper body around the doorway in order to see what all the commotion was about. Along the hallway, only half of the lights were on. Mr. Miller could see two figures at the far end of the hall. One of them appeared to be dragging one leg behind them as if they were injured. He could hear faint screaming and yelling coming from the far end of the building. "'What do you see, Mr. Miller?' Sophie shouted from the back of the room. With fear and desperation in her voice, Mr. Miller jumped out of his skin. He instructed his class to stay silent. However, the sudden outburst from his students startled him and resulted in his upper body hitting loudly against the door. The two figures down the hall started moving closer toward the classroom. Mr. Miller closed the door and then locked it. He shut off the lights and told his students to move to the far side of the room, away from the door and out of sight. His students did as instructed in a hurried fashion and prepared for the worst. Mr. Miller crouched down in front of the door, using his weight to help hold it in place. This was completely unnecessary considering he already locked the door and released the doorstop. His extra measure gave him peace of mind. Footsteps could be heard coming closer to the door. It sounded like someone stomping, running, and dragging their feet simultaneously. Whoever it was kept smacking their hands against each door on the way to Mr. Miller's classroom. Two shadowed figures appeared through the glass of the door. They pressed their faces against the window and proceeded to smack and bang against the door. More shouting could be heard coming from the main doors of the school. This was close to Mr. Miller's room. Police! Back away from the door! A male could be heard. Down to the ground now! A female voice commanded. Both of the uninvited guests moved quickly from Mr. Miller's door, and they proceeded towards the police officers. The police instructed them once again to lie down on the ground, but they did not comply. Mr. Miller stood up and peered through the window of the door and watched in horror as the police started to open fire on the two suspects. It sounded like a firing range in the middle of the hall. 
Mr. Miller watched one shot after another go in and out of their bodies as they continued to move in on the police officers. Why are they stopping? How are they still alive? Mr. Miller said aloud. The students who were huddled along the far wall of the classroom started to panic. What's happening, Mr. Miller? Who's out there? One of the students cried out. Mr. Miller backed away from the door and had to steady himself after what he just witnessed. The two invaders, who were being shot to pieces by the police, were still moving in on them. One of the strangers grabbed an officer and bit into his neck, ripped out his carotid artery, and with a single bite and clawed out his eye like a rabid animal. Mr. Miller had a look of absolute terror in his eyes. In the midst of all the commotion, the students in the classroom were panicked and screaming, Students, stay where you are, Mr. Miller commanded. He reached under his desk and pulled out a handgun. The student's level of panic increased. Mr. Miller removed a key from his pocket and used it to open the bottom drawer to his desk. He then grabbed a small box of bullets. With shaky hands, Mr. Miller loaded the clip and inserted that into his weapon. The screaming and the banging that was unfolding in the hall was getting louder and more intense. The students in the class were inconsolable. They were beyond horrified by what was happening. Mr. Miller's attention was pulled from the loading of the gun back to the door. There were now four people visible at the window, beating on the door and pushing the window with a bloodthirsty look in their cold eyes and foam oozing from their mouths. Mr. Miller finally loaded his firearm and was attempting to raise it against the intruders. The safety and well-being of the students was the only thing on his mind. He raised his weapon and moved forward without noticing that his swivel chair was directly in his path. His ankle rolled as he made contact with the chair. This caused him to tumble forward. Mr. Miller lost his grip and dropped his gun. The impact made after hitting the floor caused his weapon to discharge and fired a single shot directly through his chin and burst out through the back of his neck, severing his spine. His lifeless body dropped to the floor like a bag of flour in front of his entire class. All of the order within the classroom was now gone and it wasn't coming back. Crying, screaming, and vomiting by many of the students echoed throughout the room. The threat from outside of the class broke through the glass and started to pour in through the doorway. The two police officers that were outside attempting to stop the intruders were now tattered and eviscerated shells of their former selves. They had death in their eyes and were hungry for more. The students were trapped in their class. There was nowhere for them to hide or to escape. A few of the students took chairs and began to break the windows in an attempt to flee. Several of the other students grabbed items near them as a means to defend themselves and fight for their lives. To their shock and horror, Mr. Miller suddenly sat up post-death and looked in their direction with death and hunger in his eyes. One of the students lunged towards the gun on the floor, intending to use it to save his classmates. He got a little too close to Mr. Miller, who was still sitting up on the floor. The student was grabbed by their teacher and pulled down to his level, where Mr. Miller bit into his face. He removed the student's nose and right cheek with the gnashing of his teeth. 
peeling it away like a huge piece of beef jerky. The remaining students climbed through the windows to evacuate, regardless of being on the second floor. Mr. Miller and the four other flesh eaters moved in on the barely conscious student and feasted on what remained. What started out as a normal day for the students of CHS was now a living nightmare. Tragically, that is all the time I have for this week. Please join me next week for more of the weird, the macabre, the strange, the fun, the scary, the happy, the sad, the world that we live in. Thank you so much for continuing to join me on this journey every week. Like I stated a few times ago, this is the beginning of the third season. And I'm we're getting bigger than ever with this podcast. So many things planned for this year that's going to shift gears and change the atmosphere of my show. Maybe few a few episodes will be a bit longer than normal. Have a great weekend and thank you so much for listening. This is Neil Parks signing off.